Hey everyone, welcome to Hit the Apex podcast this week. I'm Juwan as always and thank you for joining me. We are close to the final F1 race of the season. I know it's a sad time of the year where we're all sort of in reflection over how the year has gone as far as motorsport and stuff is concerned. We'll leave all the other bits of life at the door but um, yeah here we are at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix for the final race of the year Uh, 21 races it's been a long season but then in some ways it feels like it was only just um, like yesterday that we started the year at Albert Park and at the Australian Grand Prix so going to preview the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix for you we've got supercars to talk about as well Newcastle 500 um, talking points from there also just quick MotoGP line and also Formula E after last week our chat with Dino from the Regen podcast we've uh, you know got into Formula E for this season the two races in uh, Saudi Arabia last weekend so going to do a quick s- summary of that unfortunately I didn't actually get to watch them live as I was um, out of town. I was up in Sydney for the weekend, inhaling a whole bunch of smoke, and uh, that's why I still sound a bit uh, nasally. I've got a blocked nose at the moment, so, you know, lovely weather we're having here in Australia. Can't complain about that at all. (laughs) You can just detect the sarcasm in my voice. Um, And then since I've come back, there's been some personal stuff I've been dealing with too, so I haven't had a chance to really sit down and watch those replays i've seen a few little highlights packages but uh yeah haven't seen the race proper but great way to start the season for formula e and they won't be back till uh the new year anyway so without further ado let's go straight into the f1 and uh, abu dhabi favorite of mine i guess for personal reasons i went there in 2014 for the final, even though it was a bit of a washover, it was still a great experience um, being there. You know, you've got Ferrari World as well, if you haven't been, check out. It's an impressive facility, uh, go-karts as well on site, so plenty to do, good weather, even though if you're a fan of the heat, but uh, if not, then you might not want to go to this race. It does cool down, though, overnight, so when they actually do the the race itself, the temperature starts to go down. It's the finale in the twilight, of course, uh, with the race starting at around 5 o'clock local or 6, when it, I forgot when it was, um, but it's going to be a midnight screening here for us on the east coast of Australia. Um, championships are already decided, as we already know, but the minor placings, I guess, are at stake. Um, 11 points between Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc for third in the Drivers' Championship. So, you know, you could have a whole other podcast talking about who's had the better season. Verstappen, three wins, of course. You know, fairy tale season for Honda with their first year powering Red Bull and they've achieved three victories together, which has been quite quite the story for this year. A number of podiums as well. Hasn't come without its... Uh, down moments at times but you know overall they've had a good year Leclerc as well six pole positions he's been the pole position master for 2019 he's got two wins under his belt could have been more though you know if you hadn't had those incidents happen I guess Singapore Russia as well um, and then recently missed out on a podium in Brazil you know possibly possibly a podium in Brazil with um, 
uh, what do you call it, the implosion, I guess, happening inside uh, Ferrari there with Vettel and Leclerc coming together. So, yeah, both have had pretty, you could say, successful seasons, but it could have been better for Ferrari and for Leclerc. So, you know, may the best driver win in that instance. But um, when you look at the overall race, um, or for the race win, I should say, Mercedes undefeated in the hybrid era. Both Bottas and Lewis Hamilton have wins here. Of course, Hamilton winning last year, Bottas the year before. So, you know, between, you know, the winners, so we've been coming here for a decade now, 2009 was the first race in Abu Dhabi. Only Red Bull, McLaren and Mercedes and Lotus, of course, with their 2012 win with Kimi Raikkonen, um, have won here. So no wins for Ferrari at all in Abu Dhabi. And that's kind of ironic when they've got their own theme park just next door as well. So, you know, what's going to be the story for them this weekend? You know, they were in the spotlight after the implosion that happened in Brazil, internal peace talks, both drivers had to go to the factory and apologise, of course, in front of all the all the staff. What's going to happen, though? You know, are they going to sort of be subdued this weekend? How about the car form as well? Because we know in qualifying they can be quick, but then in the race, uh, they've got no race pace, especially, you know, long stints you know on the harder compound tires it's just not working for them so this will be an interesting weekend to see or to gauge how they end the year because you know here we were at the start of the year pre-season expecting them to be in the championship hunt with Mercedes but it didn't really eventuate then second half of the year we get to Spa, Monza, Singapore they're really strong but then you know that was it after that they were still claiming pole positions but just capitulated in the races so you know they want to end a season on the high Vettel I'm sure does he's got one window under his belt um Leclerc with his two wins would like to make it three should already be three but you know shoulda coulda woulda always nice thinking in hindsight but uh, it's in reality it's not really the right thing so those guys will be looking for a good result. Red Bull have been quite strong here as well. You know, they've won here in the past with Sebastian Vettel. I always think back to 2012, his drive from the pit lane to come back and finish on the podium, um, to, especially with the championship on the line too. And back then, Abu Dhabi, of course, was the penultimate race of the season. And Brazil was the final. So, you know, a few people coming out of the woodworm and uh, talking about what should be the final race of the year. I personally don't mind seeing Abu Dhabi there. It's a nice, you know, nice enough venue. It always gets big crowds. I got an email earlier this week saying that all the tickets have been sold out for grandstands, so that's always good sign. A lot of people travel over there for it. So, you know, I've got no qualms about Abu Dhabi holding the final race of the year at all, and it's kind of nice, you know, a bit of a party atmosphere, you know, once the race is over and even during the weekend um, with all the fans and everyone around. So really, it's just hard to look beyond Mercedes um, for the win with their recent form here. Of course, they had a bit of an off weekend in Brazil and Toto Wolff wasn't there, the team principal. Um, it was all left to for James Allison to, to run over the weekend, so probably not the most smoothest. I'm sure, you know, Alison will, if ever in that role again, you know, will learn and grow as you do as humans. But um, 
with uh, the guidance of Toto Wolf back this weekend should be good for Mercedes and it wouldn't be surprising if they end the year 1-2 as they started the year so we'll, we'll wait and see what happens there so looking beyond the the top three positions or you know just the you know top runners in the race as always you got Carlos Sainz and Pierre Gasly fighting for P6 in the championship, of course. You know, they're tied on points at the moment with 95. Sainz has had an absolutely incredible year with McLaren, of course, and McLaren, who've sealed out fourth in the Constructors' Championship for the first time since 2014. Um, and, of course, they get they got that podium in Brazil. You know, you forget about that, you know, even though he didn't get to stand on the podium during the ceremony, um, sides claim P3. So McLaren's first podium, of course, since 2014. Pierre Gasly also on the podium in Brazil. So he's up there with sides and Alex Albon, only 11 points behind those guys too. So if he has a really good weekend, he could leapfrog them all and finish in P6. But, you know, again, with the hindsight, um, if he had had that podium in Brazil, you know, he could have easily been in that position now. So, you know, and that's not saying that Albon hasn't had a great year. He's had an astonishing year. And that podium would have been the icing on the cake. But unfortunately, it didn't eventuate with that uh, late collision with Lewis Hamilton. Um, looking elsewhere as well, you know, Constructors' Championship is still um, positions you've got up for grabs. So eight points between Renault and Toro Rosso for fifth. And then you've got ten points between Racing Point and Alfa Romeo for, for seventh as well. And Alfa getting a, a big haul of points in Brazil, you know, with the penalties and whatnot that were applied later in the race um, or after the race, I should say. So those guys are back within touching distance. And, you know, both teams have had their ups and downs this year. You know, Racing Point, of course, you know, we've said all along, have had legacy issues from last year, you know, with the financial problems. But heading into the future, those guys should be ones to look out for next year. Alfa Romeo as well, you know, the second half of the season has been pretty pretty bleak, apart from the results in Brazil. That'll flatter them a little bit. But um, otherwise, you know both fighting for positions, I guess, normally that they wouldn't, you know, you'd expect those guys to be a bit further up, but such is the competitive nature of the midfield that, you know, you could be, one year you could be finishing fourth, and then the next year you could be finishing um, fifth or sixth or seventh, and just ask Reno that, I guess, who were aiming to finish fourth this year, and by a country mile too, and here McLaren have come out, their customer as well, and beaten them fair and square, so... That's that. You've also got the final race for Nico Hulkenberg as well. Um, of course, looking to go out on a high with Renault last year. He crashed out on the first lap and he was uh, hanging like a cow, he said, uh, when the car was upside down. So thankfully he was unharmed in that incident. And I guess they won't be looking for a repeat this time this year. And then you can look, I guess, back in reflection as well about Hulkenberg's career so you know last time out in Brazil you look back at how Brazil's been a happy hunting ground for him of course his one and only pole position back in 2010 in his maiden season and then of course 2012 when he was leading the race for Force India but crashed with Lewis Hamilton could have been a win for him as well and where would that have taken him if he had won that race so I know I'm you know looking at a lot of things in hindsight at the moment but 
it's been it's been one of those weeks so <laughs> um let me have it please uh please i guess so so yeah whether you know holgenberg will make it back to f1 now so you know there's only one seat left on the grid at williams that's not going to be his it'll probably go to nicholas latifi most likely so is this it you know final will this be the final race for Hulkenberg in F1 and will he will we ever see him back again possibly that's the possibility so you know I guess you just have to look back and say it's a Formula One career that's been kind of unfulfilled really you know when you look at his other achievements um, especially winning Le Mans as well and a lot of the junior formula stuff he's done it just doesn't add up but such as such as life, such as the nature of the beast, I guess. So, you know, we'll farewell Hulkenberg at the end of the race on Sunday. We'll also farewell Robert Kubitzer as well, who's come back to Formula One, I guess, wasn't the fairy tale that we all had hoped for. And perhaps, you know, in a way, it's kind of damaged his career a little bit, you know, because there was all this expectations. But I wouldn't say that. That's a bit unfair. I think we need to just... We need to applaud the fact that Kubitzer made it back to Formula 1 in the first place, made made it back to top flight motorsport, given the injuries that he did have after that rally crash in 2011. So, you know, that's all I can say in reflection for, for Robert, is that it's been great to see him back and just unfortunate not to, not in the circumstances that he would like or the fans would like either, because I know there is a lot of... There are a lot of Robert Kubitzer fans out there, so they'll be hoping to see him go out on a high, if possible, this weekend. Um, you know, one of the chances also for his teammate, George Russell, to score in the final race, score some points, that is. He's the only driver without points this year, so that'll be interesting to see. I don't think Williams will be anywhere up there, unless, of course, 10 cars decide to crash out, and then possibly they can score some points, or, you know, they really engineer themselves or strategically they get up there you know pace wise they're not they don't have it compared to the rest so I wouldn't bet my uh, house on it or put a mortgage on it or anything like that so you know but the thought is there if he can score that point that would be fantastic for him and that would also mean that all the drivers this year have scored points too also had the news during the week as well that Honda will be powering Red Bull and Toro Rosso through to 2021, so that's good for those guys, um, shows Honda's commitment as well, but then, you know, they have come out and said that, you know, if, uh, you know, the cost of winning is too much for them, then they'll pull out, you know, obviously they've got to consider these things in the current Sorry, I just had to blow my nose, can't even speak properly with all this uh, stuffiness, but yeah, going back to Honda, recommitting themselves to Red Bull and Toro Rosso, so, you know, it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't surprise me when, you know, they stop, or if a manufacturer pulls out, given the current climate financially, and also whether it's in line with their, you know, company direction, but with the way the regulations are framed and also Formula One's commitment to go on carbon neutral by 2030, I think, you know, they will stay on, obviously, it just depends on their relationship with Red Bull and Toro Rosso, we know that Red Bull can be a prickly customer when it comes to performance, and if they're not getting that performance, then, you know, we've we've all seen what they've done with, um, 
with Renault in the past, and then of course Honda, then they are the Honda are no strangers to that sort of stuff either, with their relationship with McLaren breaking down pretty severely as well over the few years that they were together. So a lot to play out, I guess. We've still got twenty. We looking ahead to twenty twenty one, I guess. You know, we've still got a whole year to go and a whole other championship to go. So. We'll, we'll tick that box when we get there, but it's exciting to see all the pieces falling into place for, for 2021. All that remains, I guess, is the um, the commercial agreement and the Concord to see who commits, who doesn't, what will the terms be and everything, because um, that's going to be quite significant now. So let's go on to supercars now, um, before I have to blow my nose again. <laughs> Uh, Newcastle 500, of course, uh, final event of the year. Both races, as I guess this back part of the season, were dominated by the Red Bull Holden Racing Team Triple Eight. There, showed Ben Gisbergen winning dominant in dominant fashion on Saturday, and then of course Jamie Wincup uh, dominating race 32, and with a bit of strategy helping him get to the front as well. So. You know, that, that team's been dominant since Gold Coast, and I guess we'll talk a bit more in depth at the end of the year about, you know, how perhaps all the parity changes and what's gone on throughout the year might have might have influenced this. But, you know, Gold Coast uh, saw the start of Red Bull's domination. They won both races there. You know, seven victories, pl- including the two qualifying races as well at Sandown, which got included in the um, the race results and points were given, so that's seven wins in a row, which is, uh, I guess, back to old ways for those guys, because they've been a pretty dominant team in the past, but it wasn't enough for them to take out the team's championship, which uh, DGR Team Penske did, you know, you could say, in hindsight, if Jamie Wincup didn't make that mistake in race 31 and cost himself a podium, and also the Van Gisbergen grid penalty on Sunday after he was caught impeding and qualifying, having to then race from the back to the front, it could have possibly been there for them, but it was 155 points that separated both the teams, and it kind of rounds out a pretty strong year for the Penske guys, Dick Johnson racing also, so both cars, Shell V Power cars, were on the podium in race 31 on Saturday, and then we had uh, Fabian Coulthard finishing second on Sunday, so good weekend for Fabs, who hadn't been on the podium since, I think, Townsville or something like that, so long time between drinks for him, but, uh, you know, there's another storyline, you know, we can talk about in a whole other podcast, and I will this year do that when we look at the um, end of year reviews, is that you know they've they've been a they've been a great team all year. Have Dick Johnson Racing, DGR Team Penske, but unfortunately the Bathurst controversy is gonna put a little asterisk against their name for for whenever we look back at this year. You know people only will remember that they were caught cheating, uh, you know caught manipulating team orders in that race to win and of course what happened with Scotty's engine as well on the Saturday in qualifying but they'll overlook that you know right throughout the year they've been the better team you know they've been better in the pit stops they've had the better qualifying pace compared to everyone you know new Ford Mustang has been totally in their court they've had the advantage with that and of course you know with the switch to Lydia Springs as well they've been the better team that have adapted them so that'll all be overlooked and unfortunately it'll be 
Bathurst that will be looked at as the the big ink blot on 2019. But you look at the achievements this year for them. So 20 wins in total. You know, 18 of them go to Scott. He won. He was the first driver to win the Darwin Triple Crown. He won Bathurst. He won the championship this year. Ford of the Manufacturers Championship, they wrapped that up ages and ages ago, and also they've got the team's championship under their belt as well, so completing the Triple Crown, as you could say, for Supercars, Manufacturers title, um, team's championship and driver's championship as well, so it's been a it's been a stellar year for those guys, and whether you want to take it away from them or not, you know, it's there, but you can debated plenty I'm sure and I will talk about it in a bit more depth um, in a few weeks time also had uh, it was an emotional weekend I guess because of you know it's the end of the year but then also a lot of change coming in for 2020 when you've got drivers moving camps you've got drivers leaving quitting the sport um, we had Tim Slade finish third in the final race on Sunday and announced after that 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 was his final race for Brad Jones Racing so uh a bit of an emotional farewell for him to actually score a podium as well in his final race it was kind of speculated over the last few months that he might not continue on with that team he's been there for four years he won two races with them of course you know back-to-back wins in Winton but um, it's Todd Hazelwood who will be taking over in that uh, Freightliner car from next year that's already been confirmed as for Slade's future that it's unknown at the moment possibly could end up at Matt Stone Racing in a second in the second car because they've got two cars next year. Of course, Gary Jacobson to possibly be the um, the main driver or land one of the seats there at Matt Stone Racing. We also had the confirmation that Chaz Mostert, who finished fifth in the championship, uh, will be going to Walkinshaw and Dreddy United next year. So that was confirmed Monday morning. Or if you want to believe um, on, or if you want to believe Sunday when uh, his super cheap auto mechanics actually put him on a trolley and wheeled him into the Walkinshaw garage. You know, that was, I think, what sort of... If you didn't believe the news already, that or the rumours that he would be making the switch next year to Holden, um, that kind of just, you know, hit the nail on the head and confirmed it for everyone. So that's all done and out of the way finally, which is good because it means we can look at who's going to get the second seat, most likely Bryce Forward, it seems, which will be good for him. His graduation into the main game, of course, after winning the Super 2 Championship this year. And then, of course, um, Jack LeBrock has been already announced to take uh, Mostert's place at Tickford and also continuing the super cheap auto backing that they've had on that car for quite a number of years now so that's all good to hear and for LeBrock as well a bit of a homecoming because he won his championship in a Tickford car in Super 2 all those years ago so he's already familiar with that team and it should be a good fit and we also had Lee Holdsworth confirmed as well again on a multi-year deal which is good for Lee and to get that podium in Sandown as well a big relief uh, for him um and come back to emotional farewells and everything. I think there was no more an emotional farewell, in my opinion anyway, than uh, at Walkinshaw and Dreading United with both drivers moving on at the end of this year. Um, so Scott Pye and James Courtney together. Pye, I guess, you know, I'm a big fan of Pye's personally and, you know, he's always ended up on the wrong end of the stick when it comes to 
you know, decisions made by teams and he's always not had the rub of the green, but, you know, he's taken his future into his own hands and he's announced already that he's off to Team 18 next year, which is good, and he believes that they're going to be strong. But for the, his weekend in Newcastle, ended up in hospital on Friday with a stomach bug and came back on Saturday, crashed in qualifying, but finished sixth in the first race from 24th. You know, he passed the likes of Wind Cup and Courtney's of all of the final stages of the race, but believed that, um, and the, yeah, you know, past those guys, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. I was going to say he believed double stacking cost himself a podium, but that was in the, the race 32 on Sunday that that happened when he finished fifth. So, um, yeah, for finishing sixth on Saturday, passing the likes of Courtney and Whitcup at the end of the race, you know, coming out of hospital with a stomach bug, that was just great stuff. And, you know, Pi just, I believe he's so underrated as a driver because, you know, he gets the job done. He's been at two big teams now where, you know, he's got a wealth of experience under his belt. And I'm sure, you know, when, when it comes to setup and stuff, you know, Mark Winterbottom, his new teammates already said that when they were both driving forwards, you know, when Winterbottom was at Tickford and also Pi at DJR, that looking at Pi's data, he was quite impressed with, you know, the setup direction and all that sort of stuff that uh, was going on on his side of the garage. So, and when you look at Pi's achievements, he's the most recent winner for Walkinshaw as well at the Australian Grand Prix last year, famous victory under lights, and then, of course, back-to-back Bathurst podiums in 2000. 17 and 18 with Warren Luff there'll be famous podiums I'm sure that we'll look back on but um, hopefully for Pye heading into the future you know next year could be a, a successful one and you know he's already said that he's targeting finishing top 10 in the championship which will mean that there'll be consistent podiums I hope so too for not only him but also for Winterbottom who's done a great job this year with the change in that team that they've had and the engineering direction that they're going in so that'll be exciting for them and quickly with the engineering side of things as well so Mostert will be taking his engineer Adam Debore with him to Walkinshaw so that partnership will continue and I talk a lot about how drivers and engineers have special relationships and you know with uh you know with the red ball guys you know you've got Grant McPherson who's been there for some time with he used to be with Shane Van, sorry used to be with Craig Lowndes but over with Shane Van Gisberg and now and then Dave Couchy with Jamie Windcup also at um what do you call it at DGR Team Penske you know uh, Ludo Lacroix with um Scott has been a it's has been a pretty significant combination and then when Phil Keane was um, engineer to Fabian Coulthard a couple of years ago or you know when they were together at Brad Jones Racing as well you know they were quite successful so having that right partnership with your engineer is quite crucial too you, you look at it in MotoGP and in Formula One as well um, it's it's pretty significant you know, when Lewis Hamilton didn't have uh, Peter Boddington, his longtime engineer at Mercedes, for a race this year, you know, it was a bit troublesome for Hamilton, of course. So, uh, and in MotoGP, it's quite important to, you know, I always think to Valentino Rossi's relationship with Jeremy Burgess um, for all those years that they were winning together. So, it is quite important, and Mostert and Debore are no 
different either. They've had a pretty successful combination over the years, and it'll be good to see those guys together. And just shows how serious Walkinshaw are. Walkinshaw and Dreddy United, I should say that. <coughs> they want to win. They think that they've got the right person in Mostert with his engineer to make a difference and hopefully as soon as next year because it would be nice to see that team on top again especially with you know triple eight being the the benchmark holden team at the moment Erebus have been on the rise too probably not the year that we would have expected from them but um you know we need to see walker shaw back up there too which would be great so that's them that's them <laughs> grm's final weekend as well in supercars it was an emotional one for those guys and you know pair of top 16 finishes for Richie Stanaway, P20 and P22 for James Golding, of course, as well. Um, Golding's future at the moment in supercars, a bit hazy, don't know what's happening yet, but he is a solid driver, and if he does land a seat on the grid, then that'll be really good, but he is locked in to do Super 5000 or S5000 and TCR with... Um, uh, with GRM anyway next year. I don't know about TCR, but S5000, he's doing, I'm pretty sure. So that's good for, for Golding. He's been solid in his time in supercars. Richie Stanaway made the announcement on his Instagram as well Sunday after the race that he is going to be hanging up the helmet and retiring from racing. And I know that sounds really weird given how young he is, but um, it's been a troublesome year for young Richie and also, you know, the back injury that he sustained this year and of course you know he broke his back a few years ago racing at Spa and I think GP3 or GP2 at the time so he's, that's a bit lingering I guess and his you know supercars career really didn't go the way he would have wanted it to two years with um, or a year with Tickford last year that wasn't that great and then this year with GRM wasn't all that it lived up to or was going to be lived up to be so you know he's making the decision to pull the plug and go after other opportunities and i gotta say you know richie stanaway cops a lot of flack i guess but people don't understand how successful a driver he has been in his young career you know overseas he he's a gp2 race winner gp3 race winner he's a class winner in a world endurance championship race with aston martin factory aston martin team in the gte pro class so he's done quite a fair bit and of course he won the sandown 500 with cam waters back in 2017 he won his first weekend in super 2 that year as well at um, sydney motorsport park so it's not like he's forgotten how to drive but he's just not really had the best direction or you know engineering direction or best car available to him when it came to being a full-time driver and um, having his own car so that's a bit unfortunate I guess for, for how that's all ended for Stanaway but um, I wish all the best for him in the future with whatever his plans are to do. Also, farewelling supercars, Simona Di Salvestro as well, finishing 19th and 18th on the weekend. P7 at Pukekohe was her best result this year and also best career result. So a bit sad to see her go as well after a kind of 
not the most successful stint with Nissan Motorsport and the Kellys. You know, they've had their issues uh, with performance over the last few years or for their entire tenure because this was also the final race in supercars for the Nissan Altima with um, Kelly Racing switching over to the Ford Mustang next year and also just scaling back to two cars from the four that they had. So sad to see Simona go, but it will be exciting if she gets some Enduro Cup opportunities next year hopefully with a top team um you know we've had luke yulden announce that he's retiring from supercars um altogether now at the end of this year so he was Lou um sorry he was david reynolds co-driver they won bathurst together that famous race in 2017 so perhaps an opportunity at erebus um for simona to get herself into a you know top flight seat uh, seat that could possibly yield wins in the Enduro Cup, you know, a Bathurst win, that would be great to see her do that, but she's off to Formula E now to be the Porsche tested reserve driver, so that's very exciting too for those guys, and then, yeah, of course, the final race for the Nissan Altima, um, <laughs> sorry, the final race for the Nissan Altima um, as well, and that car will be retired, goes, will be still in Super 2, you can see it in that, but yeah, as far as supercars is concerned that's it so that's that's that for the newcastle 500 then this year um and we'll be back to do the review for the whole year later on i'm not sure if i'll do a standalone supercars one or you know twin it with MotoGP. but uh we'll see when the time comes so yeah and speaking of MotoGP, just quick uh confirmations on the grid so after the Valencia Grand Prix we had Alex Marquez confirmed to join his big brother at Repsol Honda so the two Marquez brothers together which will be interesting to see how they go together next year Carol Abraham out at Vinci Ducati um, unfortunate for him but could that be an opportunity for Johan Zarco to end up on the grid in the MotoGP class next year and also into the Ducati stable he was impressive on the LCR Honda this year but of course missed out on the factory Honda gig to Alex Marquez so let's cap it off with Formula E then this week the Deria E pre I was out of town as I said so and had stuff going on so haven't had a chance to watch the full race replays but I'm really surprised and also pleased to see Porsche and Mercedes get podiums in the first race of the season a bit of a crazy race and uh dual podiums in the end for Stoffel van Dorn so on the podium on Sunday he was promoted after Maxi Gunter got a um uh, a penalty he finished p2 so which would have been a um one two finish for the bmw andretti team but um you know he was penalized for passing lucas degrassi and stoffel van dorn under the safety car in that second race alexander sims one lap wonder you could say he's uh he claimed both pole positions i should say and then also won the race on sunday so you know are those guys going to be a threat this year we didn't really talk about them as being a threat on the podcast last week uh, me and Dino but um, perhaps you know it's going to be one of those years where nine different winners might win or something like that and Sims is just one of them so you know it's it's exciting to see Andre Lotterer on the podium of course with Porsche in the first race I guess a bit flattering given that you know we don't expect them to be serious contenders this year but they've got that podium out of the way and Stoffel van Dorn again just showcasing how incredible a driver he is and it was interesting to see him 
come out and say um, during the week after the race that you know, he'd definitely not go look at going back to Formula One given the political environment. He also called out McLaren for how they favoured Fernando Alonso with upgrades and stuff like that when they were together at the team. So, you know, not not you know, no acrimony there at all, you could say. So, you know, it's good to see Stoffel find his home in Formula E and um, you know, it just goes to show you how how good the category is because it's got some a a you know class drivers there like Van Dorn. so we'll see how they go. Great um, start also for Nick DeVries too. So we'll be looking forward to see how they all go for the rest of the season. And of course, we've got to wait now till January for the next race. So very much at the end of the year, at the end of 2019 for motorsport. Um, and we're going to look back at it all very soon but we still got the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix this weekend to run so gonna enjoy that one and then you know get to the review stuff in a couple of weeks time but as for today thank you for tuning in um sorry if I sound a bit nasally I feel a lot worse than it probably sounds and I'm just you know glad I've managed to get um get got through this one today so hopefully next week we're a bit better and we can uh review the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix and talk about what else is happening in the world so thank you for joining me as always follow us on Twitter hit the Apex Media that's the handle haven't sorted out anything with Facebook yet might wait to the new year for that but um, Twitter's the go at the moment so follow us on that other than that thank you very much for joining us and I'll see you guys next week